Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The Lord does have a word for us. He wants us to know. He said many people consider this weekend to be a solemn weekend, but he said the sorrow that was Friday was over in the blink of an eye. The sorrow that was Friday was over in the blink of an eye. And at that, when, when that moment came, he said, the son, the, the soul of the perfect one descended into hell. And he went and preached to those who were captive. And immediately the graves were opened. And joy sprang forth. So joy was already in the earth on Friday when he went down into the bowels of the earth to rescue those who waited in faith for their Messiah. And he preached to those in hell, and they immediately heard the good news and rejoiced and accepted. So much so that the graves came open that had held them for many, many centuries, says the Spirit of the Lord. And they began to walk the earth as witnesses to the power of the ransom of the redeemed, says the Lord. And he says there was no deciding as to whether to accept him on that day, for they all received him. The evidence of that is that the graves came open, says the Spirit of God. And he says that the same thing will happen on the earth, says the Lord, as I begin to pour out my spirit afresh in a new those who took 20, 30, 40 years and even decided on their deathbed to receive me as Savior and Lord will receive in the twinkling of an eye. They can't wait to hear the good news, says the Spirit of the Lord. For as the darkness gets darker on the earth and gross darkness covers the people of the earth, the Lord says, your, your, your good news when you preach the gospel to these souls who have been captive by Satan for so long, When they first hear the good news, there won't be any hesitation in deciding, for it will come as fresh water and fresh oil to their ears, says the Spirit of God. And they will come out of their graves, and they will come out of their despair, and they will come out of their sinfulness with gladness, says the Spirit of the living God. For that is the way it was at the beginning of the gospel, says the Lord. Those of the book of Acts, people didn't hesitate to receive me. People didn't hesitate to give their all to me, and it will be as it was then, says the Spirit of God. No more wrestling, no more uh, uh, deciding, no more uh, conferring back and forth, says the Spirit of God. But there will be an instant receiving of my word, an instant receiving of the good news, and an instant conversion of souls that are crying out to me and just don't know it, says the Lord. So look for that to come in your mouth, in your future, says the Spirit. Look for that to happen, says the Spirit of God. For many, many, many are waiting, just like the souls languishing in hell, they are waiting for fresh water and fresh oil to anoint themselves and to wash themselves clean so that they can be presented at my throne faultless the way my church is supposed to be, says the Spirit of the living God. For there are many who wait for me. They're just waiting to hear the right word at the right time with the right power on it to convert them, says the Spirit of the living God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Father, we thank you for people who want to receive your word. 
thank you to put us in the path of those people who are waiting, just like the souls in hell were longing to hear the good news that they were released. So we thank you, Lord. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lord, for the preaching to the the captured masses in paradise. Thank you, Lord. They were waiting in paradise. Thank you, Lord, for reminding me. Thank you, Lord. And And Jesus went down in the bowels of hell and led captivity captive so they couldn't be captured anymore. But he preached to the souls in paradise that they were released from their captivity and released from the hold that they could be united with him again, says the Spirit of the living God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Everybody agree with that? Okay. All right. Sounds good. Amen, amen, and amen of you. And we bless you and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So today we're going to talk about the fact that Jesus went all the way. Amen. He went all the way. And uh, that should uh, give us an indication that uh, there is nothing left for us to do except to believe and to trust him and obey as he guides us through life. Amen. The life that we have in the Lord is a life like no other. Amen. It's a life like no other. It's a great life. It's a good life. It's full of promise. It's full of blessing. It's full of greatness and goodness. His mercy endures forever. Ms. Nola, why don't you get our visitor? I have a, a a notebook like this on my desk. Get her one, and here's a pen for her in case she wants to take some notes. Thank you. Praise God. Yeah, and so um, uh, God is leading us into a great life. This is a life he intended for us before the fall. That's because that is why the book, uh, the Bible points to us being restored. Uh, and when you think about it, restored to what? It, not a former life that we lived, a life of sin, but restored to the life he initially planned for us. He, his plans are never, ever canceled. Amen. Sometimes they seem to be altered, delayed, whatever, but he never cancels his plan because he doesn't have to. He knows how to get his plan to work. And so his plan for man has been outlined in the Bible uh, from the book of Genesis on out into Revelation. Uh, we see an outline of God's plan for man. And his plan does include redemption and returning man to his former condition. In fact, even better now, because uh, before when man was in the garden, the garden was outside of him. Now the garden's inside. Amen. Where everything that we need, the kingdom is inside of us now. Amen. It's not a place like the Garden of Eden where everything was external. And and Adam and Eve met with God and God would, would talk to them, minister to them. But inside now, we have a great defense against the works of darkness. Amen. And so deception is not as easy. It's not as, uh, in, in, plus we have forgiveness of sins so that when we err and we make mistakes, we can confess our sins and get right back into fellowship with God. Amen. And that's where he wants us in fellowship with him. He's not withholding anything from us. He's not holding anything against us anymore. If we will understand his law and his rules, then we can 
walk and live in harmony with God every day. And that's what he wants. The Bible says he walked with the man in the cool of the afternoon or the evening. And so God wants to have that continual fellowship with us that it would never be broken. And that's the reason for the cross. One of the benefits of the cross is that we have continual uninterrupted fellowship with God. Under the old covenant, it was interrupted because you had to, you know, if you sinned, you had to get an animal, make a sacrifice. And for, I guess I could, you could call the day of atonement, the day of universal forgiveness, where if you slipped and slid most of the year, you could finally get relief from the guilt and the pressure of disobedience and sin when the whole congregation of Israel was called together for that, that universal one day a year day of atonement. And so it's a good thing to understand that we have the better covenant now. So, but if you have a better covenant, that means we should be able to do better obedience. We should be able to do better service to God. We should be able to do better things. And so, uh, um, it's, it's, you know, the covenant's better, but our, our results have to reflect we have a better covenant. We should be able to do better things. Amen. More consistently. Uh, there's no reason why people should be haphazard in their service to God and their devotion to God, uh, because we have a way, instant way back to Him. If we will confess our sins, the Bible says He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. Cleansing is so important. Amen. It's so important because I think the, the guilt that, that, uh, Israel felt, uh, that often caused them to go off and serve other gods you know sometimes we don't think it's that drastic but you look around you at people that you know and and that maybe you've had acquaintance with christians um people uh you know will say when they first say "Ooh, i was on fire for god and over the years the fire goes out and then they wander off and then don't want to serve god anymore they become estranged again and I think the lure comes when they're not diligent about applying the laws of the cross to their lives. Because God immediately forgives us and cleanses us. And if we don't understand the cleansing is necessary for us to feel welcome in his presence, I got another thought from you. You know, it's it's very, very much, nothing God does is unnecessary. Nothing God does is something you can skip and get over and think you can move on to something you know, this isn't like Miss Fenton's third, uh, third grade class where you could skip a few days because you didn't like a subject and come in when you like something. We have to drink the whole cup. Amen. Jesus drank the whole cup. Amen. And we have to drink the whole cup too in order to stay in perfect alignment and harmony with God. So the cross, we can say, is a divinely appointed exchange that took place between God and man. <clears throat> it was a divinely appointed exchange. All the evil that was due us came on Jesus. And all the good that was due Jesus came upon us who believe. Amen. So it's an exchange of our penalty our punishment, all of the things, the evil things that would come upon us through disobedience was laid upon him. He didn't earn it. 
He submitted to it and it was laid upon him. So Jesus was judged a worthy lamb because he was sinless. And who is the judge of all? God the Father is the judge of all. It's amazing. People will come centuries later and try to say Jesus had children somewhere. He had an affair with this woman or that woman, all that foolishness. You know, it's he's already been judged sinless. So if those are the lies you want to tell to keep people from receiving him, just go ahead and tell on. But God's already judged him sinless. The covenant's been ratified. It's established in the earth and in heaven and under the earth. So so there's no disputing that God's judgment is right and it's fair. And it works for believers. See, the evidence that, that Jesus uh, passed every test of sinlessness is the fact that we can live sinless. Amen? The fact that he dwells in us. So we are the witness, amen, to his perfection. We are the witness that he passed every judgment and every test that God put before him uh, was passed by him. You know, under the old covenant, the day of uh, the Passover, the priests inspected the animals that were to be offered as sacrifice. And there was no uh, limp animals. There were, there were no blemished animals. It had to be perfect as far as man and the priest's inspection could go. And so Jesus was scrutinized the same way all of his life. And he passed every single test that God the Father put before him. Even the final one in the garden where he wrestled his will to submit it to the will of the Father. Amen. And so it, it's good to understand that that our claim to salvation and to the Lordship and honoring Jesus as Lord of all is legitimate because God the Father is the judge of all. And he inspected his son and found him to be flawless in every way. That's why our sin was able to be placed upon him and he was able to walk free of it as he descended into the lower parts of the earth. And so it's a good thing to understand that all the, all the shadows of the Old Testament sacrifice were met in Jesus Christ. And so he is the perfect uh, sacrifice for us. He was accepted by the Father so that we could be accepted by the Father and receive all the goodness that the Father has always wanted to put on us. You know, God the Father has been longing and waiting to be able to bless our lives with all of the good things that we are entitled to. We have an inheritance. He laid it up for us before the foundation of the earth. Everything that we need and everything that we desire, the good things that we desire are already laid up for us. Amen. So it's it's really not about us, quote unquote, earning anything. It's really more about us qualifying and allowing God to lead us and guide us in the way that we should go. Amen. And and I believe if you walk with the Lord, you'll walk into everything that belongs to you. Amen. Uh the the most important thing I can I can say about our responsibility is to feed ourselves the word. Let that word be your meat, let it be your drink, let it be your sustenance, let it be everything. Uh, because when you, when you feed on the word continually, then you tap into the mind of Christ. Then you have fellowship with Him. 
Amen. It's like when you fellowship with, with another human being, you find a place of agreement so you're not striving and arguing with each other. You know, you talk about things that you have in common. So Jesus has given us a new song, a new mind, a new conversation, a new manner of living where we can relate to him, talk to him on his level. He's not going to come over and talk about yang yang with us. He don't care about that stuff. But when we're ready to enter into that holy place of communion with him, then we have fellowship with him. Amen. We have something in common with him. We can talk about the things that he likes to talk about. Amen. You know, a lot of times I know when I was married, I would want to talk to my husband about this and talk to my husband about that. And and he would grunt. You know, you can tell when they ain't interested. Huh? They don't use words anymore. It's like special effects. Now, when men get together, they understand that stuff. You ever figure that out? (laughs) But women, we don't understand that. And then one day the Lord said, well, you can talk to me. And I thought, well, okay. (laughs) Now that you mention it, that is a thought. You know, it's like, lay off that man. Girl, come on, talk to me. I understand everything. Amen. So, so, and, and I began to learn how to expect God to have conversations, not verbal, mental conversations, you know, where you think in, in the mind of your spirit and you start to meditate on the word and then God will talk back to you and give you things and give you understanding. And, and I mean, it's a great, great, uh, situation. And, and the bonus is, that once you shut up and your husband realizes you're not bugging him, he wonder what you're thinking about. And if they're not saved, they start to ask you questions. Amen. And then they start to get a little jealous. And then they want to come into the conversation too. Amen. So it all works out for our good. Amen. God is smart like that. I just love it. Amen. And so he gives us a new conversation, manner of living. Somebody to talk to who perfectly understands our need and can talk to us in in an updated heaven language. We're not talking about just the things of this world and this earth all the time, but we're talking about the things of heaven. And it's wonderful. It's wonderful. You get a whole new perspective. You look around and say, and I didn't even know all that was going on, Lord. You mean all that's going on? You mean that too? That that's going on too. You begin to understand more about your heavenly home and the the things that God wants to release from heaven down here on earth. He and we are his conduit. We're his vessels that he's going to use to release heaven down here. Amen. Isn't that the Lord's prayer? Let it be so on earth as it is in heaven. We're exchanging. The fact that Jesus exchanged uh, our life for his means that we can make an exchange from heaven down here to earth. Amen. We're just making transfers, releases out of the heavenly storehouse down here to earth where it's needed. People need healing. They need salvation. They need deliverance. They need prosperity. They need hope and expectation. See, we as vessels 
can carry that and release it down here because kingdom now resides within us. And so we, we release the kingdom with our words. When we preach the gospel, when we pray, when we speak the word of God, we release his word, we release worship and all of those things that are heavenly things, then we transfer the substance of heaven down here on earth. And that's that's the way God likes it. He, that's what Jesus did when he was down here. He was just bringing the kingdom down. He was bringing heaven down here on earth all the time. And so it's a good thing to keep that in mind. That's part of our salvation too. So uh, the central, the cross really is central uh, 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 to the atonement. Amen. The atonement really was the place where Jesus made an answer for us on our behalf. Amen. He, he began to pay the price for our sin. And in Isaiah 53, that's kind of like your cornerstone prophecy for what took place at Calvary, uh, noted in all four of the gospels, but it, the prophecy was given in the book of Isaiah in chapter 53. And, and it, it starts out with a, um, a, a word of astonishment. It's like, who has believed our report? Amen. And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? And then it begins to go through and describe who this servant of God would be. Uh, without naming him, you know, Jesus got the name that was above every name when it was conferred upon him, but it was spoken, uh, earlier, but people called him Messiah. Amen. Yeshua, the, the one who was to come. And so they were looking for somebody who fit this description. And so Isaiah, um, begins to foretell that, that people would miss who this person was. They would, it would have to be revealed to them who this individual was. But he begins to, um, mention some of the things that would happen in the life of this individual. And so it says here that, uh, he says, to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? The arm of the Lord represents his deliverance, his salvation, uh, the, the things that we need in life, the strength of God. So, so this has to be revealed to us through God's mighty hand, through His work, through the work of the Holy Spirit. It's revealed to us through us seeking and desiring a better life, a better way, relief from present suffering. And so all of those who seek those things, those are the ones that it will be revealed to. And, and it's a blessing to have a revelation of Jesus Christ as he is now, alive and living, not a historical figure, not somebody we just talk about, but, but his life actually begins to pop out at us. And we can see it and we can appreciate it, all of those things. That's the blessing to have the arm of the Lord, the strength of the Lord, the mighty one of God revealed to us. He says, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, a root out of dry ground, no form of comeliness. We, when we see him, there is no beauty that we shall, which should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. So really they are describing him as he's on the cross, as he is doing the work that God sent him here to do. Amen. All of the work that he did up until that point, 
was a demonstration of the kingdom of God. And that was his job to demonstrate the place where he originated and where he totally resided, came down to heaven to bring that demonstration of the kingdom down here to us so that we could appreciate it. We could know the life to expect, you know, when, when the fullness came, uh, and, and, but the Isaiah focuses on the part that is our foundation. So the foundation of our life with God is the work of the cross, the finished work of the cross, the completed work of the cross. And how we are, what it does for us, and how we access it. So when he talks about him being despised and rejected of men, well, that happened throughout his earthly ministry. So part of the work of the Holy Spirit was to put that mark of distinction on Jesus. He was different than any man who had ever walked the earth before. That was always said about him. And so the despise, he was, he was accepted by many, but in, in the end was despised by every human being that walked the earth, was rejected by them. They walked away from him. They were angry at him. They, he was disappointed. They were disappointed in him. They thought he was going to do this and that and the other. And now he's gotten himself in trouble and he's there crucifying him and we're hiding because they may come for us too. And so in the end, he was abandoned and rejected by everybody. Amen. His, his mother and, and John, the, the beloved disciple were standing at the foot of the cross when he died, but they couldn't do anything to support him. Even those who looked on him, uh, looked at him with some amazement, some mixed feelings. So they didn't identify him as the Messiah because many of them thought the Messiah was, was bigger than life. That he wouldn't be subject to the same frailties as, as man is subject to. But God had him die in our place. Amen. So it wasn't a death that he deserved and it wasn't a death of defeat and failure, but it was a death of triumph. He was the final offering for sin for all of humanity. And, and that is as, that's the way God purposed it. So it says in Isaiah 53 verses four and five, it says, even though we didn't esteem him, we rejected him. He was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. But it says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. So you can say one of the first exchanges that happened was Jesus took pain upon him. He put sorrow, suffering, all of that was taken in our place. So the sorrow, grief, and and um, uh, pain could be thought of really and it is legitimately that is the punishment for sin the first thing you experience when you transgress the law is sorrow you know you you experience some guilt you experience the fact that you know sometimes if if you really dislike what you did enough you'll start to punish yourself you know, there are a lot of christians that go through life not feeling worthy even after their blood bought. Well, they don't understand. They didn't stay at the foot of the cross long enough to understand what was going on. You understand what I'm saying? Um, if you don't understand this, you know, you, you see some of the 
really great teachers of the word that understood the supernatural of God and understood the atonement, understand freedom. They continually bring back people back in their teaching. They will continually direct you back to the cross. They don't go on to the, the faith and the goodies and the this and the that without bringing you back to the cross to reestablish your foundation and make sure your foundation is right. You understand what I'm saying? The really good ones. Um, you'll find some very popular teachers. I remember uh, Brother Hagen uh, taught up until he really passed away. He was still teaching you. You can go on YouTube or on his website and find some of the teachings he did as late as 2003, and that was the year he passed away. But But he... Toward the end of his ministry, he said, many times I think we don't spend as much time on this as we should. He said, I know I haven't. You understand what I'm saying? And so everybody who does well, I mean, even the the good ones and the popular ones, will tell you that they need to come back to the central. Where's your foundation? Your foundation is found at Calvary. And you have to reestablish your foundation as often as, as it's, as the enemy tries to remove it from your life. You need to work and get it back reestablished at your foundation. I know I was thinking about that this, this weekend and I, I posted on Facebook about, uh, um, oh yeah, I'll, I'll see people and now this is something that's common you see on Facebook. You'll see people dressed real nice, got a new car, and then they'll put something on there thankful, you know. They're just bragging on what they have. And they use thankful as kind of a tagline to to make you think they're not proud of what they got or they don't think it's so wonderful. So I was thinking about it, and I said, well, Lord, I want to post something that brings them back to what they're thankful for. And so I just put on here, this is a day to be thankful for the cross, for the cross alone, not things, the cross. See what I'm saying? Because you can run around with things. That's not, you're not bought for things. That's part of it. But if you don't get forgiven, you're as good as a dead man, eternally speaking. You understand what I'm saying? And so we need to make the cross the central, central, uh, uh, tenet of the gospel because it is it's it wasn't a worthless endeavor on Jesus' part and so if we are thankful for anything you need to be thankful for that first that lord you don't count my iniquities and my sins toward me anymore because i've accepted your your free gift help me to walk worthy of it you understand we're not work, walking worthy of it all the time so we have to bring ourselves back to it remembering this is where he met us what our, our unrighteousness was and how it hindered our lives and how, how our lives are so much better now that we have the atonement. Amen. And so in Isaiah 53, he, he took our punishment. Amen. So, so Jesus blood paid for the punishment that we should have been given as a result of the broken law. That was God's law that he instituted in the earth. And when you break it, there's punishment due you. So we have been forgiven. And also now we have peace with God. So part of your, part of the atonement, see atonement is not just God accepting 
what Jesus did on your behalf and you walk away the same way you came except something got taken away. He imparts something too. Amen. So the exchange is in the place of the guilt and the awareness that you deserve punishment. Now you have peace with God. You have this sense that God, not only is he not mad at you anymore, but he approves of you. There's a big difference. Amen. It's like, sometimes it's like parents, you know, when you deal with your children, they can do some really, really bad things. And so, you know, they, they, they'll get their punishment or whatever, and they'll come back to take your pulse to see if you steal. You know what I mean. Take your temperature to see if you steal hot at them. And if they don't take your, they, they perceive you're not hot, they feel everything's okay. But that's not how God deals with us. See, God deals with us in such a way that we don't have to take his temperature to see if he's hot anymore. See, with your kid, something's missing because you're a hurt human being. You're just glad you don't want to stru- reach up and pop him anymore. And he's glad too. So he'd take your temperature and go on about his way. He said, well, mom ain't mad. You know, when I come back tomorrow, maybe she'll be in a better mood even still. You know, we'll be friends again. But see, with God, he immediately gives us his peace. So there's no reason for us to try to feel him out to see if we're really forgiven. See, there's no reason to feel him out to see if he remembers anything. And if you don't understand the cross enough to let it do that complete work in you, where you don't have that feeling of being, uh, crack, walking on cracked eggs or, or fragile or, or reluctant or anything like that, then there's something you got to get your faith to working more completely on this concept and this aspect of, of the atonement and of, of God's work on our behalf. See, there's something missing sometimes with Christians. I've seen people, they, they slip up once and, and, you know, slink around and try to act like, you know, nobody knows anything. And then pretty soon that stuff piles up and piles up and piles up. And you, you feel like you can't do anything right. And that should not be for a blood-bought child of God. You need to understand God well enough to know that he doesn't want you walking around with sin on your soul, with guilt on your conscience, carrying anything like that. Because a human soul is not meant for that. Your soul is meant to stay in contact with God, to have hopes and dreams and encouragement. Always uh, relishing in the fact that you're forgiven and, and you're free from all of the burden of your sin. You're free from encumbrances. Amen. And if you ever have any doubt about it, go back to the cross again and say, God, if there's something between me and you, I confess it right now. And I want this out of the way. I want that open access with you. Amen. Because everybody's sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And if you don't think you're capable of it again, he'll prove to you you'll do it again. Amen. <laughs> Somebody had said one time, I think somebody real honest, you know, uh, Keith Moore, somebody like that, he always tells on himself. 
And, uh, he said he was, you know, people were encouraging him, you know, brother, I got blessed by so-and-so you said and so-and-so and such-and-such. And he said he was feeling real proud of himself, patting himself on the back and, you know, was thinking, you know, well, it's, you know, it's God's gift and all, but he was still underneath taking credit for it. He said, and then the anointing started to wane and lift off him a little bit. He had to go to God and find out, wait a minute, this ain't normal. I'm accustomed to feeling and, and knowing you're with me and why am I shaken? And God said, you're in pride. And he said, Lord, forgive me, please. Wash me clean. Amen. Crept up on him just that quick. Amen. Just that quick. So the Bible says here, uh, it says he was wounded for our transgressions, things we know we do wrong or things that we, we do wrong that are uh, violation of God's law. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we're healed. He said, all we like sheep have gone astray. So that's for you nitpicky Christians. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. I said, you know, we look at big things, and we, we say we don't do them. But the Bible says you've gone astray. Doesn't say where you went, just astray. Doesn't say what you did when you went there. You went astray. You can go astray in your mind. You can go astray in your thought life. You can go astray in your uh, desires, your anticipations. Amen. A lot of times people let their blessings mess them up. If you thought lack messed you up, wait till you get blessed. If you don't get a renewed mind and a pure heart, you're going you're gonna to mess that up too. Amen. It's easy to do. Very easy to do. And so this, this qualifies everybody for the need for forgiveness. Amen. All we like sheep have gone astray. Are sheep planning to do anything wrong? No, they just wander off. Your mind wanders. Huh? <laughs> then your heart decides to join it. I like it over here. I like feeding on nonsense. Amen. I like doing a little wrong every now and then. I like this. Makes my flesh feel good. Amen. And so he says, but his own way and the Lord laid on him the iniquity for that, for going astray, going your own way. It doesn't even mention breaking the Ten Commandments, which we know that's on the road ahead if you keep going your own way. You know, people need to learn how to turn around real quick, just like you would if you were uh, in a hurry to get somewhere and you realize you made a wrong turn. The first driveway you get to, you pull up in there, turn around and go, oh, I'm on a, getting on the right road again right now. Amen. We need to live like that. Just always aware of staying on the right road, staying on the road with God. Staying on the place where God wants us to be. Staying on that road. I was reading a book of a gentleman, um, I'm trying to think of his name. His last name is Tam. I can't think of his first name. But anyway, uh, his book, the name of his book is God is My Business Partner. And he was talking about a time where he, um, um, I think he, oh yeah, he, he gives this example and he, he says his covenant with God, he had a real close relationship with the, with the Lord and he, uh, 
walked in obedience to God and things where he would transgress and mess up. He would immediately ask God's forgiveness, make things right with people. And he said he was an incident. He was a guy who worked in the post office and the guy kind of made him angry all the time. He was so slow and didn't do this right. And he said that he was in a hurry one time and this guy was slow poking around. And so when the guy came, he, he was really abrupt and sharp with him. And he knew in his heart that he had done wrong and he should have asked that guy's forgiveness. And so he kept telling God, he said, well, I'm going to do it the next time I see him. I'll do it the next time I see him. I'll do it the next time I see him. And God cornered him. He was in church. Uh, and he was sitting on the podium, get ready to give his testimony. And he saw the guy sitting out in the congregation. And God said, I've been waiting for you. I've been waiting. So he said, oh God, okay, I'll do it now. So he got up off the, 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 uh, podium, went down there, apologized to this gentleman, you know, and the man was doing a bad job. He had since gotten fired. So when he didn't see him anymore, he thought it was off the hook. So God brought him right back in his midst again. How many of us pass up the opportunity to make things right with people? We know you sh- we should. And God, it's so important to God that we do that, not for us to say we do wrong, but for us to get right with him so we can continue fellowship. I'm going to say it again. Not so much you can see. This is the problem with people who don't like to confess. They think that makes them less than or weak or bad. You know, they always put these these negative handles on themselves. And that's why we don't want to get under the spotlight of the Holy Spirit and confess our sins to God and thank him for the blood that that we're free now. We want he wants fellowship with us. That's why the confession, folks, is not to send you to prison. It's not to give you lashes. He already took lashes for you. So you should have no problem confessing your faults before the Lord and then going to people and making sure that you get that right. See, we'll start to abuse our relationship and fellowship with people. People get the idea that you're, you're uncaring, you're unfeeling. You know, sometimes people who carry what a reputation, you know, bad behavior in the past, but you changed now and people don't recognize it. You need to get that straightened out. You need some kind of way between you and God endeavor to have that straightened out so that there's peace between you and other people, especially other Christians. You can't walk around pleasing God with the reputation among your brethren of being somebody who's hard to get along with, of somebody who's mm, iffy, iffy, or you got to watch them or overbearing or anything like that. You've got to seek, God, how do I get a good reputation among your people? This is something we should seek after. He says, love me with all your, and your neighbors yourself. Amen. So that means having fellowship, having a clean uh, slate between you and other individuals. Amen. And God will give you sometimes a very simple way to get the reputation he wants you to carry. He don't want anybody to carry a bad reputation. None of his children. He wants us all to have a good reputation. And sometimes he will, you need to work that out with him. 
You know, I'm not saying you're a bad person. I'm not saying, but that's, that's another tier of redemption that we can, that's another layer of perfection. We're going on to maturity. We're not here to live in a, a, the same level we started out as believers. Amen. We're here to, to move on to maturity. And so that I'm, I just threw that in to show you there's, we all have, you know, <laughs> gone our own way. Amen. I didn't do nothing wrong that, that you're lying right there. See what I'm saying? We've all sinned, fall short of the glory of God and continue to. Amen. And so you want to keep that open access between you and God. You don't want a broken relationship. You want fellowship with him and peace with all of, of his people. You don't have to be bosom buddies with everybody that that knows the Lord, but you got to have peace with them. And that's what I mean is when you think about them, your, your mind is at peace. And when they think about you, their mind's at peace about you. See what I'm saying? And so, and I know there are some people who are unforgiving. They're not, they're going to hold something against you all the time because it makes them feel good. But that's not your, your business. Your business is to keep that open access between you and God. You want to keep that constant fellowship. He paid for that. That's what he paid for is to have fellowship with you. You're bought with a price to have constant fellowship with God. Amen. And so we're, we're, we're to live in that place of unbroken fellowship with the Lord. So when he takes punishment off of us, punishment and wrath. Amen. So that, that feeling of God being angry at us, punishment, is a separation. So we, we, through the blood now we have access. So, so we can, can be in God's presence all of the time. Access presence to God always because of the atonement. Amen. Um, thank you, Lord. So he also took sickness, pain, sorrow, so those are all the consequences of going your own way. Going your own way really is rebellion against God. Amen. And so a consequence of rebellion was sickness, pain, sorrow. All of those things come upon us because of separation. Guilt, all of those things come upon us. So he, in Isaiah 53 and, and, uh, he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, as verse five. The chastisement of our peace was was laid upon him. So he was took a beating that we should get. So there the wrath is the beating. All of the, the scourging that he took and the beating that he took where his blood was shed, all of that was done for us, and with his stripes we are healed. So he took sickness, pain. Punishment, guilt, everything that would make your life uncomfortable was placed on him. So you could have peace with God. And through peace with God, you have access now to all of the fruit of the spirit that would nourish you, that nourish your spirit, the love, joy, peace, meekness, temperance, all of the things that you can enjoy in God, you have access to them now. Amen. 
sometimes people think, well, you know, they've been defeated so many times trying to do things on their own. They think they're not capable of doing them. And that's, I think that's the one fruit sometimes that we overlook the significance and importance of it is, is temperance or self-control. Moderation in all things. Amen. No excesses whatsoever. You know, if, if we can access that fruit, even if it's minute by minute, you know, and I, I realize people are up against some really hard things sometimes. People who have been addicted to drugs and, and fearful about that or, or, uh, you know, distressed, uh, you know, some people are just excitable and, and easily provoked and easily upset and that kind of stuff. If you realize you in, in just seek God, Father, teach me how to access that self-control. Even if you do it minute by minute, he can can open that door for you and allow you to come in and partake of that. You know, sometimes you'll realize that, that self-control is upon you and you think, man, this is really easy to not have to give in to this, that, and the other. And then other times it seems to kind of escape you. Amen. So then you got to go back to God again and, and ask him, help, you know, help me with this, Lord. You know, I used to think it was when I was younger, it was nothing to drop 10, 15 pounds. You know, <laughs> I stood in the mirror. I just, this mirror got to look right today. I do what I got to do to get rid of these bad boys, you know, that kind of stuff. And then when you start submitting yourself to God, it's like, ooh, another chicken wing. Come on, bring it on in here. You know, like, hey, happy time. So then you realize you don't have, you can't control it with your flesh anymore. Now, this may be a revelation to some of y'all because it was a revelation to me. Like the Lord, when he crucifies your flesh, that's the good and the bad the flesh could do. So here I am trying to bring the old girl out, you know, and, and starve myself. And then I start looking out the corner of my eye. What's over there? What's over there? What's over there? And then you wind up starving yourself for a few days and then you just go after it like, huh? And and I realize the flesh has been crucified. I, I can't even conjure that up to use it anymore. You know, my old black magic. You know, that door's been closed so long ago. Then I'm embarrassed because I got to ask God to help me avoid the Twinkie or the whatever, whatever. Huh? Yeah, that too. So then I'm like... Okay, God, I get, I get it now. I get it. I finally get it. I gotta go to you with this as embarrassed as I am. I used to be able to do this on my own. Well, then we didn't win it. There I'm guilty again. All we like sheep have gone astray. I've wandered off somewhere trying to do my own thing again. Amen. It's that easy. It's that easy to slip over. So here I am again. God, please forgive me. I done done this so many times. It's pathetic. <laughs> but here I am. Amen. Then he'll say something. What well, I just love you coming to talk to me. I don't care what we talk about. You understand what I'm saying? I said, God, I'm working on it. Ah, come on, talk to me anyway. You know you need to talk to me, girl. Come on over here. And, and you know, and, and the, the, it's a relationship. 
Sometimes we have weaknesses because the relationship needs to be shored up, needs to be strengthened. I know we don't really believe stuff like that about God, but he has his way of, of getting us in his presence. Lack, trouble. Then you, when you, when you finally go to God, you're over there in trouble somewhere and you got to cry out to God and then conviction hits you. The Holy Spirit reminds you, it's like, who are you? Where'd you come from? I ain't seen you in so long. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you say that to yourself. You say, well, God, I know I ain't, I ain't been up in your grill in quite a while now, but you know, here I am. I'm needing something. Yada, 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 yada. So lack always gets us into the presence of God. And we sense, we, we're not lacking in anything. Now don't get this twisted, but we sense lack because we lack his presence. We lack his fellowship because in his presence is fullness of everything. You have that sense of abundance when you're in, when you're in the spirit, you have no cares, no woes. You run around here, lift up holy hands and shout and dance around. Like a crazy person. Because you're not lacking anything. If a, a a worry would try and intrude, you wouldn't let it when you're in the presence of God. Amen. Because a shield comes up to protect you from that. But see, when you drift away, go your own way, pick up the worry and the care again, wondering. So with some people, it's just a habit. But you've gone your own way again. Amen. She need to get back in this press. Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sitting up here. My mind is wandering. I'm going on like a nut. <laughs> Amen. I know I'm your nut. I'm your beloved nut. But I need to get more in your presence. I need to enjoy that more. Help me to enjoy that without my mind constantly thinking of the next thing I have to do. Amen. We just need to quit living like that. Amen. And just live in his continual undisturbed peace. So really the blood purchases all of that for us. It's a total package of the good things that God has in store for us. It says here in verse six, the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth, and that really implies in his own defense. So he wasn't oppressed and afflicted because of anything he did. And he was brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, For the transgression of my people he was stricken, not because of anything he did. He made his grave with the wicked and the rich in his death. Remember Joseph of Arimathea, rich man bought a grave for him. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And and he said, uh, oh, he made his grave with the wicked and the rich in his death because he had done no violence neither was any deceit in his mouth yet it pleased the lord to bruise him put him to grief and when he shall make his soul an offering for sin he shall see his seed and prolong his days and the pleasure of the lord shall prosper in his hand and so he justifies many by his sacrifice He was able to 
pleased the Father so much that his soul was made an offering for sin for the masses and multitudes of people. So see, the human soul was never designed to carry the burden of its own sin. Your your soul will be crushed under the weight of your sin. Many people, it does. You see people have emotional mental breakdowns. You'll see people just quit. That's A soul that's crushed is one that gives up, amen, and just quits trying. And so your soul would quit trying under the weight of your own sin, amen, or your soul will, will quit trying under the weight of its own devices to help itself. See, sometimes you're trying, your mind is trying so quick to think up excuses and reasons and understand this and fix this up and fix that up. Remember them days? A lot of people visit those days even now. People get in trouble. You know, somebody sends a a wrong letter to your house and your mind will start going nuts trying to figure out answers and solutions to it. Amen. In, instead of doing what the king did, just spread that letter out at the altar of God and say, God, this is your mail. Amen. It's got my name on it, but it don't belong to me because you're the one who undertakes for me and everything. Amen. God doesn't expect you to, to work out problems on your own. He expects you to, to come to him and, and lay those burdens before him. Cast your cares upon him. That means throw them. Get rid of them. When it says cast them, it means get rid of them lock, stock, and barrel. And if your mind starts to try and wander and pick them up again, then you tell your mind to be quiet. Just think on things that are good and lovely and pure and good report, praiseworthy, thankworthy. That's what your soul responds best to. And that's no make-believe life. That's the life God's ordained for us. Think about the last time he came through for you. That's what you think about when new things arise. Because it's not nothing new. It's the same old devil. He just dressed it up, put a different return address on it to see if he can confuse you this time. And so God wants us to totally trust him in all things. Amen. Totally trust him in all things. So Jesus' soul was made an offering for our sin. Amen. He was made sin for us so that we could be made the righteousness of God in him. We're not righteous in ourselves. We're made righteous by what he did. Amen. So we have to take on his righteousness. We have to receive it. We have to accept it. Amen. When we qualify for it through the confession of our sins, our guilt was taken as well. Amen. In the Old Testament, the the animal was the hands of the priests were placed on the animal's head and the sins of the nation were spoken over the animal's soul. That animal was taken out into the wilderness. There was a scapegoat that was released into the wilderness and there was a goat that was sacrificed. Amen. So the 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 wilderness means was signified that God took your sin never to let it return to you again. Amen. It's gone forever. Amen. And so and God made it so that nobody knew where that that animal was released to 
in case you went out there and tried to look for it again. And every, every good Jew didn't even bother with that anymore. They were so relieved that they were in good standing with God again. You know, they just went and rejoiced and, and enjoyed the Passover because that meant that there was reason to rejoice. Amen. Your sins are forgiven. So that's reason to rejoice. Amen. You rejoice every day thinking about that. Now think about the time that you were estranged from God and it just happened. Somebody got you in the right conversation at the right time in the right place and you accepted the blood atonement. Amen. You accepted that sacrifice. And so we can celebrate like that every day. Amen. Every day. So he was made sin with our sinfulness, iniquity, transgressions, all of it was laid upon him. So sin should have no dominion over us anymore. It It is not able to entrap us and keep us bound anymore. What the enemy likes is for us to be tempted and then take it into darkness where he is and not bring it into the light. Amen. That's why confession is so beneficial to us. The Bible even tells us, confess your faults one to another. If you're afraid to talk to your brother or sister in the Lord about things that trouble you or things that that are problems for you or where the devil's trying to hinder your mind, you're going to wind up in darkness somewhere down a corner you can't get out of. See, God going to have to send somebody to come retrieve you. Amen. It's just like he did. Amen. The good Samaritan, the the pastor, sometimes a good friend that you can be honest with instead of playing games with everybody all the time. You know, people in church are good actors. They try to pretend like they got it all together all the time. Amen. Fool you. You should have somebody that you can be totally, brutally honest with. About yourself. And pray for that person. And you, they pray for you and you pray for them. So, and that'll be your salvation. See, when I was a new Christian, it was easy for me to do that because I wanted to stay close to God. Sometimes you get older in the Lord and you think you don't need that anymore. But I thank God that He's always had somebody in my life that I can be brutally honest with. And not worry about judgment, not worry about what they thought about me, my reputation, and all that kind of stuff. Amen. Well, as a new Christian, my little friend Jan, Jan sits over in the corner. <laughs> We'd have got old in the Lord now. But I, she'd either call me up and she said, Bob, things going good around here. <laughs> I said, no, as a matter of fact. I'm going to get to about to commit murder, mayhem, foolishness, folly, and all kinds of nonsense. So, you know, it's good. Kept me close to God. Still keeps me close to God. Amen? It's just a good thing to have that. So you're never exempt from that that mandate. Amen? Confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another that you may be healed. And you need to be able to accept people's prayer. Even if you disagree with them, amen, accept the prayer. That's that's part of the word. Sometimes you get more agreeable after you get prayed for, not before. Amen. 
Just, just let that, let that happen and help you. Amen. We need so much help down here. It's pathetic. If we didn't need a lot of help from the brethren, you wouldn't see so many empty churches now. People refuse to go back and they could go back even on a limited basis. There's a lot of rebellion in going your own way about even among God's leadership. Amen. You're going to see a lot of churches never open again. You're going to see people. We see people all the time. Good people, good ministries, good revelation, good fruit. Leave the church and go live with a whore or, or somebody of the same sex or something crazy like that. Just walk away from everything. So we must need this. We must need somebody to confess our faults. So you think if they had somebody they could be brutally honest with instead of pretending all the time. That's your first clue. Something ain't right. You got to put up this false front all the time of having to have everything together and, you know, have all the answers. You know, be careful if you want to be the answer person to everything. You, you on, you on, you on shaky ground right then and there. So we have to understand that we're, we're, we are our sheep. We can go astray at any time and, and God wants to keep us close to him. So we are made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. So he was made sin with our sinfulness. Amen. Um, he was, he was despised and rejected of men. Despise is, is a different word um, that, you know, it, it's a strong word. And I was looking at that and I thought to myself, I said, that's, that's a word that, that, you know, it's kind of like, it's hard to see anybody in the Bible or anybody you know that merits that description or that, that earns that. To be despised. That, that connotes the highest level of hatred and rejection. And so, um, I was looking at, let me see if I can find it. Turn to Deuteronomy 25. Deuteronomy 25. I'll find this real quick so I can show you. And it was something that, that God did not want levied on any human being. What did I say? 25. I got so many things in here. 25 and verse 3. Uh, <clears throat> okay, 25 verse 1. If there be a controversy between men, they come into, into judgment. The judges may judge them. Then they shall justify the righteous, condemn the wicked. And it shall be, if the wicked man is worthy to be beaten that the judge shall cause him to lie down and to be beaten before his face according to his fault by a certain number. It says 40 stripes he may give him and not exceed. Lest if he should exceed and beat him above these many stripes, then the brother should seem vile or despised unto him. So the punishment that comes from God is never to make you feel despised or vile to anybody. You see what I'm saying? Like 40 stripes is legal punishment from God to go over that. 
that means you got a personal investment in making this person feel worse than God would let them feel. You understand what I'm saying? But yet it says that Jesus was despised. Now, how is that possible? He, that means that, that the stripes that Jesus got were given in excess over what God's law even required. He was beaten by the Romans. He was not beaten by the Jewish leaders. They had to turn him over to Caesar because they were not allowed. They were under Caesar's rule, so they had to get permission from Caesar to do everything. So they decided to have Caesar crucify Jesus so to kind of get them out of responsibility a little bit for it. And so when they Caesar decided that he would go ahead and allow them to hand him over to them. And so the Romans would beat people until they couldn't see straight and would levy undue punishment. They had no limit to what kind of punishment that they would put on a person. And so it was the world, it's the world that despises, amen. God's people are commanded to love. We're not allowed to hate and despise anybody, amen. We're not let the sun go down on that. And so really, when you think about it, Jesus was punished over and above what was legal to pay for us to come back to God. It exceeded what God would have allowed so that anything that happened to you as a human being that exceeded what human beings are supposed to put up with was levied on him. This is how God can heal the abused person. There are people coming out of sex trafficking cults some young women are 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 used to produce babies for human sacrifice in a lot of places now these children who are coming across the border are you kidding me that's not humanitarian that's human trafficking an idiot could see that and they've all been lined up there already waiting for an opportunity to get over here What's going to happen to them? You ever ask anything like that? We need to ask. We need to find out. As Christians, we it's our business to find out what's happening to God's inheritance. What's happening to these children? Where are they going? Who's taking them? And so, but even for people who have suffered to that extent... I know we all feel like, oh yeah, I I didn't have, I counted them hugs and I didn't get 10 hugs every day. Well, welcome to the club. We're a lot of people in the no 10 hugs a day club. But I'm talking about people who have suffered extreme abuse. I was listening to an interview with a girl who had escaped human trafficking. She said that she, they made her give birth to 18 babies that she never saw again. And they were all sacrificed. She knows this for a fact. Yet, if Jesus had not taken that abuse from the Romans and they went over and above what God required for our redemption, 
her soul could not have been. She's a Christian now. And she says she has memories and she has flashbacks, but she is so thankful for the people that allowed her to escape and helped her. She tells a story that she she escaped and three of the people she thought were helping her were actually sent to get her and bring her back again. And God made a way for her to escape again and again and again till she finally got to the right people. And when she told her story, they were flabbergasted, but they listened and they were able to help her and to help her get away. So everybody wants their freedom, folks. There are no throwaway people. Why are there no throwaway people? Because of this price that was paid right here for our ultimate redemption. See, the fact that he was beaten and marred more than any human being means that when we suffer punishment that's illegal, immoral, and and we should not even be able to recover from, there's a price that was paid for our recovery. And we can receive that atonement and we can, can have a pure heart and recover and memories healed and hope come up in us and expectation of good now comes to us because of what he suffered. That's the exchange. Jesus exchanged his soul for hers so that she could be free now and she can look to a good godly expectation in her life. She can look, she can actually anticipate good. And she says, oh, I'm so happy. I'm so free. She said, little by little, God has taken my memories and helped me expect good. She said, for most most of her early years when she was set free, she never expected anything good. Now she can expect good and know it will happen. The blood did that. This work at Calvary is what did that for her. Amen. So, God then was able to take her guilt, iniquity, punishment, all of the abuse, all abuse we all suffer, and in, in vilification, he took that where people despised her and let her know it. You got me? You'd have to despise somebody to treat people like that. Amen? So, we are made righteous with his righteousness. Men, we come away from that. The wages of sin, he, he also paid the wages of sin. The Hebrews 2 9 reminds us the wages of sin is death. So he tasted death for every man, the Bible says. And then the exchange is we get to share in his life. Not a sin free life living in our old soul. But his life, we get to share in his life. In other words, we need a guide, a shepherd, and an escort through the new life that he has for us. So he accompanies us in this new life so we can be successful at it. So we can have a counselor to talk to us. Jesus, I don't quite understand this in your word. I want to obey you. I want to do the right thing, but I keep looking at this and it bothers me. I don't think I can do it now. Well, he's right there to help you. Amen. The Holy, he is there in the person of the Holy Spirit to help us and lead us and guide us into all truth, all righteousness and all good things. 
Amen. So we can expect nothing but good at the hand of God. Whereas at the hand of other people, we could, we were never sure. We're never certain. But nothing but good now at the hand of God. Amen. Even though people will, we love and depend on and rely on, you know, they may treat us right, but they're subject to fail us at some time. Amen. But always good at the hand of God. So we share in his life. We do not take this new life and run off with it without him and give him a a Facebook thank you. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Before men, amen, all that man-pleasing stuff, trying to look holy, Pharisee stuff, you know. Amen. Big hymns on their On their, their, their robes. Hell, phylactery was a, a little piece of parchment with a, the word rolled up on it. Well, some of them were so, so prideful, they'd make them as big as a scroll almost and put them on the, see this crazy person would look like big loaves of bread at the, on the bottom of his robe. You know what I'm saying? The Pharisees did, they see, Jesus said they made wide their phylacteries. They were small to signify the law was written in your heart. You understand what I'm saying? It's like, come on, y'all. We know you ain't perfect, so just quit it. But a lot of people like that. You know, most of your your Christians are doing stuff for show. We just can't get a big enough audience sometimes, you know. You just want a bigger and bigger show. <laughs> so, so he tasted death for all of us, uh, Hebrews 2, 9. So that we could share in his life and not take on this new life without him. Amen. Now I know sometimes when we're new in the things of God, we forget because I used to do that and I'd, I'd start making plans to do stuff and get worried. Can I do it? And I think, Oh, I forgot I can pray. I can ask God what to do. You know, that was like, wow, you know, just dive into that. And so, and that was God training me to always come to him. This is a life he gave me to live on his terms, for his purpose. All Everything I have belongs to him, his spirit, his life, his word. It all belongs to him. So I could no more take that and run off and do right with it. You understand? Well, I wouldn't know the first thing to do to try and live life without God, live his life without him. Amen? The other thing that, that the uh, exchange is the curse of disobedience was laid on him. The Bible said, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. So according to Galatians three thirteen and 14, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. So he had to be crucified in order to pay that atonement. Amen. Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. All right. Wood is tree, same thing, amen. And so, um, he, he, so that the blessing of God could come on us through faith in Jesus Christ. So faith in what He did allowed the blessing to come upon us. So the curse is what we know it to be: poverty, sickness, shame. Um, you know, Deuteronomy tells us Deuteronomy twenty-eight. That's the famous blessing and curses chapter. 
the blessings are like nine verses and the curses is like, you know, like 40 something verses, you know, 60 some odd verses in that chapter. It's mostly outlining the curses so that we would have no mistake about what life would be like without God. Amen. Blessings. You can get one blessing and that's Christ and you got everything. It wipes out everything wrong in your life. Amen. The love of God coming into your heart is the major blessing. Amen. Because you want to abide in its love. So if you don't get your, your twenties on your Escalade or you don't get your Mercedes or you don't get your big house, or don't, you got the love of God in your heart. Amen. You got all of that. You're rich already. Amen. You just haven't cashed it in all the way yet. Amen. <laughs> it's amazing. You know, all that going astray. Then you come right back to the cross again. I said, Lord, <laughs> how did I ever leave here? This is a good place right here. I don't know about you, but I think it's real good. So the curse was brought by disobedience to God's law. The broken law brought the curse. And God, Christ redeemed us. So we can refuse poverty. We can refuse sickness. We can refuse intimidation. We can refuse anything. You can refuse the enemy trying to use your children. Put them on drugs. Teach them wrong in school. You'll be able to refuse all of that because the curse is broken. You know, part of the curse is that the Bible says you won't enjoy your children because they'll be taken into captivity. That's drug abuse. That's jail time. All that. You can cancel that. I believe if if you work your relationship with God right, your kids can come out and come out of prison anytime you say they should. God, today's the day. Let's get him out today. You don't care what it takes. It takes God and faith in him. Let's get him out today, Lord. It's been it's on long enough. Amen. It's been it's gone on long enough. You can call time on anything the devil's doing because you're redeemed from the curse. You don't have to live out a certain amount of punishment or a certain amount of doing without or yeah. <laughs> let the redeemed of the Lord say so. All you got to do is say is so I'm redeemed. Amen. And it's it and it's activated in your life. You have to put up with nonsense like that. The Bible said and also now that was uh, the curse is broken. So that was probably around number six, five or six. And the blessing of Abraham comes on us. We share in his life in the blessing of the promise of the Holy Spirit and all of the covenant blessings of Abraham are ours. The other thing that that was the exchange that was made poverty and shame came upon him. Amen. And and so we're able to share in his wealth and glory. Hebrews 2 uh, and 10. I'm not going to read it. I wrote down all these scriptures. I said, boy, if I read this, I don't know. Plus with my embellishment, you know, me, you got to run off at the mouth. That's what preachers do. Forgive us. Amen. Or what? Help us out. I don't know what. But he endured poverty and shame. The second Corinthians 9, 8. And 2 Corinthians 8, 9, as a matter of fact. For our sakes he became poor, that we might be made rich. Amen. Rich in what? In spiritual blessings. 
Because this earth and what it entails is going to go bye-bye one day. Why would God build us up in so much of that when it's not lasting? It's hard enough to believe in everlasting, you know, blessings. The things that don't, don't tarnish. You know, people, you know, I can tell you how incredible it is sometimes for us as believers. You know, the first time you pray for somebody and they might tell you, oh, thanks for praying because God did so and so and such and such. You almost fall off your seat. You know, don't ever get hardened to that and just like, oh, well, you know, hey, it's what I do. Pop your collar. You know what I'm saying, that kind of stuff. I mean, that's extreme, but sometimes we can become immune to how your spirit and soul react to the good news of a spiritual blessing. Amen. Think about the disciples, all the miraculous things Jesus did, and they were still shocked when when he talked to the wind and the waves and they obeyed him. They're like, what kind of man is this? The same one that's been feeding you, the same one that told you to fish on that side of the the boat and get all that fish you caught, all that, that same guy. But they marveled every time he did something in the miraculous. And I believe that's what happens to us and our spiritual man. We marvel more at the miraculous. We should anyway marvel more about the spiritual side than we do the material side. Sinners can get everything in the natural that we can get. Sinners can get and probably a lot more of it, (laughs) you know, because God don't want to lose us to material things. That's why sometimes there's a hold up on it. Huh? You know, we go absolutely crazy. He said, no, I can't get it to them. I want to give it to them, but I can't give it to them right now. They've been walked off, left me and everybody. Died, they hair changed, they name. Get their teeth fixed and get them a purple wig and a pink one beside it. Put on some tights with holes in the knees. No, I can't give her this right now. Let's wait on this. Uh-huh. <laughs> so he endured the shame of poverty. Amen. And, and so that we can share in his wealth and glory. That's Hebrews 2.10. Um, he suffered hunger, thirst, nakedness, and lack of all things. That's Deuteronomy 28, 48. So part of the curse is hunger, thirst. That's like homeless. You understand what I'm saying? Boy, if we could just go through some homeless camps and give them this and show them, you know what? God can get you out of this because some of them don't think things will change for them anytime soon. And just read them some scripture and say, do you want to receive Christ so you can get out of here and get on your own again or at least want to? Some of them have stopped wanting to do better. Amen. But, but he was, he, everything, you know, the, the Bible says they, they cast lots for his garment. So really most scholars agree that Jesus hung naked on the cross. Nothing on whatsoever. He was stripped of everything. So it, and it would have to be if, if he suffered this in our place. He suffered nakedness so you could be clothed. In his righteousness, his dignity, and with natural clothing on. You know, whatever you choose. You know, when it says that the women that followed Jesus stood afar off, that means that they, 
had to shield their eyes from him because of his nakedness. The only woman they saw close to him was his mother, which had already seen him when he was, I mean, you understand what I'm saying. The mother's never going to leave your side. You understand? She don't care what kind of condition you're in, how bad you get or how horrible you look from the life that you've lived or whatever. Your mother's always going to be there. You understand what I'm saying? And so so she had permission by God to be there. But all the other women looked from afar, couldn't look on him. So, But he suffered that, so we don't have to. You're supposed to have clothes to wear. Amen? Now, now if you don't have enough sense to buy them, God will have somebody give them to you. Or I should say, you don't have money to buy. There's no such thing as no money. It's To me, it's all a lack of faith. Are you willing to ask God for it? Some people are too proud to ask God for just simple things. Provision. God, I sure would like to have a new whatever to wear. Something to wear. You know, you don't have to go buy everything. God will have somebody just drop it on you if you ask for it. Amen. So, I mean, it's all good. He provides. That's what you need to know. He provides, period. Amen. Sometimes we need some new clothes introduced to our life. Huh? Sometimes the stuff we conjure up is just crazy. Sometimes you wonder, what made them put that on this morning? (laughs) Or sometimes you'd be dressing yourself and looking in the mirror and saying, no, wait a minute, I went too far with this stuff. I take this off. Let's Let's get something suitable for a saint. Amen. So God will have somebody drop something new on you. I'm just telling the truth now, folks. That must be true. Because half them people on Facebook shouldn't be on there and what they have on. I'll see y'all have got quiet now. Am I right, Miss Alicia? You at least will tell the truth for me. They got no business taking a selfie and none of that stuff they got on. Twist to the side to try to find, hide that lump. Twist to the other side. Or get behind a sink full of dirty dishes to try. At least clean the sink. Oh, that's right. You got to hide that. So you got to get a pile of dishes up there. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Sit up there and get silent on me like you don't, you can't relate. Huh? I watch everybody go go back and start deleting stuff. Now. So, let me get my page up here. Huh? So he suffered that for us, so that we could share in share in his wealth, not have wealth of our own and go off and spend it, but we share in his wealth, his present wealth, which is always greater than what we can get on our own. I got news for you, Amen. So, so, uh, poverty was demonstrated in the fact that they cast lots for his clothing. That's in Matthew 27, 35 and 36. The rejection, the final rejection they talked about in Isaiah 53 is that he was unable to be close to the Father. That's the ultimate rejection is rejection of God. Because God had to reject us because of our sin. And he had to reject Jesus because of his sin. He could not look upon it. Amen. 
that's why Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Amen. Uh, because when sin was laid on him, the father could not look upon it. And he suffered that so that we could be accepted in the beloved of God. Amen. So his rejection spelled our acceptance. Amen. He willingly was separated from the father to bring us back. Amen. The blood is because of the blood that we draw nigh unto God. And because of Jesus' penalty and payment for that, we can be close to the Father never to be rejected again. The Bible says he saves to the uttermost those who come to God by him. So it's Jesus' job to continue the salvation process in our lives after we've accepted him. You know, everybody goes astray. Everybody wanders off. Everybody's mind wanders. Everybody gets caught up in the fantasy, what I would do if, and if I could just do so and so and such. And That's going your own way. It's just that easy. And some of us retrieve ourselves. You know, you snap out of it and say, oh, God, maybe let me get back in my Bible here, you know. <laughs> It's amazing. You start reading your word for the first time in several days or weeks or months, whatever your pleasure. You know what I'm saying? And then your mind goes to wandering again. After you've wandered back, it can wander again. And so Jesus has to continue by the Holy Spirit to draw us back to him. Not for the sake of punishment, but for the sake of building us up and strengthening us this time so that when temptation comes, we can say, oh, I'm not going to stop doing this. I'm going to get my word read if I don't do nothing else. And I'm going to do that first before my feet hit the floor. You understand what I'm saying? Take some of them crazy apps off your phone. Huh? People playing these TikTok games, you know, and I'm looking at people, I'm saying, Excuse me, I think you like over 50 years old. And you playing TikTok? And I'm talking people call themselves ministers. What are you ministering? You know, people that have a normal life that, that have to squeeze in some time for the word. TikTok is way bottom on your list of things to get around to. You understand? I mean, seriously, folks. What Jesus done for us is worthy of great respect. And you respect him greatly by obeying him now. Now that we have the opportunity and, and the privilege of walking with God, why not take advantage of it? Amen? Quit walking with other nonsense stuff. But you know, the enemy has set it up so, so easily for us to just go astray. Go your own way. You know, get interrupted for a minute. If he can get you for a minute, he'll find a way to get two. If he can get two, he can get ten. Get ten and get the whole day. You understand what I'm saying? And so you have to build safeguards into your relationship with God. You know, just like Job said, I've made a covenant with my eyes. I ain't going to look at no other woman. You know what I'm saying? Look at, keep your eyeballs on your wife. So you got to make a covenant with parts of your being. You know, your eyes, your ears, your mouth. 
okay, Lord, help me, self-control. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> Get these pounds off. You know what I'm saying? And and just make it a business. Make it a covenant with yourself. You know, that, that, that you're going to do these things that you know are in your heart to do, the, the right thing to do by God. You understand what I'm saying? And so it it's it's worth it for us to do the discipline that God requires to keep our relationship with him. It cost him so much to get us back to him. We're going to have to pay a little price, not as much as he did, but we're going to have to pay our share of the price to stay with that, to keep that relationship. Say no to some things. Say yes to some things that you've been saying no to. Amen. Say yes to some new things that are going to help you stay in the place where God wants you to stay. Amen. Because it's worth it. I think if anything that that the Holy Week, they call it, you know, Easter week, um, uh, uh, the uh, the the remembrance of this should be in all that he suffered and all that he gave us so that we can know that we have access to these things. It's been totally paid for. Totally paid for. And I thank God for people who stay focused on that. You know, who will continually endeavor to teach us those things and bring us into remembrance. That's what teachers do. They separate the holy from the profane. You know, if we don't preach holiness, what are we preaching? And if we don't preach closeness to God, what are we fellowship with God? And the fact that the price was paid for fellowship, for friendship, for relationship, not some vague term your sins were paid for. But what did when your sin was taken from you, what did you get in exchange for? Something was deposited in you and something rich was transferred into your being. And yeah, it's the devil's job to keep us from experiencing that and keep us from acknowledging it. And, and keep ourselves from, from seeing ourselves as worthy of it just because we came to God by way of the cross. That makes you worthy. The fact that you came in the door that he provided, the right door, that, that was the right decision to make. And just continue to come into the right door and allow God to, to continually develop the relationship. He wants us back walking with him like he did with the first man and woman in the garden. That's his vision, and that's his joy, and that's his delight. And I think we can accommodate him just by every day making the decision, Lord, I'm going on with you. I'm not going to separate from you. I'm not going to disconnect from you. I'm going on fully with you. And let that be your 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 desire, and let that be your determination. Let that be. And when you do that, you're good with God. You know, we try so hard to, to perfect everything and do his job for him sometimes and get nervous because we ain't this and we ain't that. And we don't have this and we don't have that. Well, he said, all I want is your company. Amen. All I want is your company. It's a good feeling to have a relationship with somebody who loves you. And that's all they desire. You don't have to bring nothing else to the table but you. That's good. Amen. That's that's better than a good husband. Amen. It really is. It's, it's just, you know, like I I can count the times my husband said that to me, I guess because I was such a terror in so many ways. But you know what I'm saying? 
Well, it's kind of rare. You know what I'm saying? You just, you live in life. We didn't dislike each other any. We just human beings, you know, trying to live in flesh bodies and so forth and so on. But, but that's what it is with God. You don't have to work to please Him. You know, you know, just, just you come. Come, just come on. Just talk to me. I, I died for your companionship. Wow. That's a big thing. Amen. Well, why don't we stop? Is it time to stop? Oh gosh. Come on, girls. Aw. Nobody told me. Oh, it was good. No, I'm messing with y'all. I'm messing with y'all. I thought to myself, I said, I don't see nobody's hands. Did I see your hand and skip over it, Nola? Oh Lord. Tell me that was a half hour. No, don't tell me that. I won't come back tomorrow. No, I'll come back tomorrow. I don't, don't beg me. I'm going no, don't pray that I don't. I said, no, I, I, I'm good. I'm good. I'm so sorry. I, I meant to be more attentive. So, okay, we'll do our declaration. I don't have Rona and she don't have me. I can't get Rona and she can't get me. And I thank you, Jesus, for your atoning blood and your stripes. And I am healed. Amen, amen, and amen. It's so decreed. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord.